Well, we're going to go to the book of Leviticus, you know, that exciting book, that book that uh, creates for good nap time. <laughs> Leviticus chapter 4, we're going to continue on in a, on a series, in our series that we've been trying to get through, or working at anyway, the scarlet thread, looking at uh, the blood of Jesus all the way through the Bible. I'm thankful for the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Cleanses us from all sin. <clears throat> Leviticus chapter 4. We're going to look at, a, at a, several of the verses in Leviticus chapter 4, but we're just going to read down a few for a few. And if you'll leave your Bible open there, we'll try to get on into this. <clears throat> Excuse me, see what God has for us tonight. Leviticus chapter 4. In verse number one, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If a soul shall sin through ignorance against any of the commandments of the Lord concerning things which ought not to be done, and shall do against any of them, if the priest that is anointed do sin according to the sin of the people, then let him bring for his sin which he hath sinned a young bullock without blemish unto the Lord for a sin offering. And he shall bring the bullock unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord, and shall lay his hand upon the bullock's head, and kill the bullock before the Lord. And the priest that is anointed shall take the bullock's blood, and bring it uh, to the tabernacle of the congregation. And the priest shall dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle of the blood seven times before the Lord, before the veil of the sanctuary. And the priest shall put some of the blood upon the horns of the altar of sweet incense before the Lord, which is in the tabernacle of the congregation, and shall pour all the blood of the bullock at the bottom of the altar of the burnt offering, which is at the door of the tabernacle, of the congregation. I'm going to stop our reading there, but again, leave your Bible open. And uh, I title a message for tonight, Forgiveness is Needed for All Sin. It's, there's, 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 no, there's, no little, there's no little white lies. A lie is sin. And forgiveness is needed for all sin. And I think we can see it very clearly here as we look on into chapter number four. So let's pray and we'll get, we'll get going. Father, one last time, we just ask for your help, your blessing, oh Lord, clarity of thought and speech, and just an ability to stay on track with what you have for us tonight. I don't know all the needs in this auditorium, but you know every need. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would have freedom to move, Lord, that liberty. Uh, to move in the hearts of people, uh, Lord, that uh, you would deal with us right where we are. And if you would point out a need in our life, that we would take care of that before we leave this place tonight. Oh, dear God, we need your help, that power, uh, the boldness of the Holy Spirit, Lord, to preach this message. We pray you'll give it, and we trust you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing for the reading of the Word of God, and please do be seated. To really grab the uh, importance of the blood of Jesus, then sin and the effects of sin upon our lives must be thought about biblically. 
We, we have to think about sin biblically. We have to think about the effects of sin upon our lives. We need to think about those things biblically. And it's really crazy. No one seems to be, no one seems to be, mm, come on brain. No one seems to want to talk about sin anymore in our society. They've renamed all of it. It's not what it should be. But, but without the correct teaching about sin, then we're not taught to think of it in a biblical manner. Uh, we're taught that we are basically good people who occasionally mess up, you know. I mean, we're, we're naturally disposed to do right. We're not disposed to do wrong, but we mess up every once in a while. Or we're encouraged to stop labeling people's behavior as right or wrong. But what we need to do is we need to, we just need to celebrate every person's right to choose for themselves, you know, their own beliefs concerning right and wrong. And we're told that it's really very unhealthy and even hurtful to talk about sin and to talk about judgment and, and, and the need to have God's forgiveness because th- those concepts produce guilt in people, can really, can really produce lower self-esteem in people and should be abandoned totally for themes like, you know, love and grace and, and diversity. I mean, you know, the way this world is today. And we're told that God loves people way, way too much to condemn people to hell just because, you know, they mess up every once in a while. No, that's pretty much in a nutshell what we're taught out there today. I'm not talking about in the church. I'm talking about in the world. That's pretty much the way that people like to look at things out in the world today that don't understand God and don't understand the Bible. The sin offering that's introduced in Leviticus 4, it contradicts these claims, for sure. Because it teaches us that all sin, even, even what we might call unintentional sin, uh, need God forgiveness, needs God forgiveness. In fact, it teaches us that we cannot ignore sin, and we cannot claim ignorance of a sin as reason to escape its punishment. We can't do that. No, no, we're going to see it. And it also pointed forward, of course, to the day when Christians could rest in the assurance, in the assurance that the blood of Jesus provides cleansing from all sin. Everybody ought to say amen right there anyway. 1 John 1, 7 says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. I love, I love it. I love verses like that because I need verses like that. So just a few things tonight. We need atonement because sin is common to everyone. Everybody's a sinner. Everyone is a sinner. Everyone's born a sinner. Anyone may sin. And it started out there if, in verse number two. If a soul shall sin. You know, the, the, the general way that God introduces this offering, it really emphasizes that sin is universal. I mean, anybody can sin. And, and, and everyone needs to know how they should respond to sin. People need to know how they respond to that. I've had people tell me before, well, you know, I really don't think of it as sin. Well, if God calls it sin, we should think of it as sin. That's the bottom line of it all. And here's the thing about it. No one is excused from sinning. No one is excused from it. And we're all held accountable for the sins that we commit. And it talks about the people that can sin, that, that may sin. In, in verse number 3, it talks about the priest. If the priest does, that is anointed do sin according to the sin of the people. So spiritual leaders may sin. 
Uh, okay, also in, in, uh, an entire congregation may sin. No, look on down to verse number 13. It's what it talks about. And if the whole congregation of Israel sin through ignorance, and the thing be hid from the eyes of the assembly, and they have done somewhat against any of the commandments of the Lord concerning things which should not be done and are guilty, when the sin which they have sinned against it is known, then the congregation shall offer a young bullock for the sin and bring him before the tabernacle of the congregation." You know, if, 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 as a church, if as a church that we had been taught wrong somewhere along the way and we were doing something that was sinful against God and finally the Word of God exposed that, then we would be responsible to make sure that we all took care of that sin. Come on, through the blood of Jesus Christ. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful I don't have to sacrifice a bullock. I'm thankful for that. But it says there that a whole congregation can sin. Okay, let me, let me, I, I, I don't want to stop too often because I want to get through this good. But, but there are quote unquote churches out there that don't line up with this, aren't there? Come on, and they're living in sinful ways, aren't they? And truly, no, no, if, if they really, if the truth was, was presented to them and they accepted that and they said, oh my, this is what God says about what we've been doing, then they should take the steps, whatever was necessary, to make sure that their heart is right with God. So, I mean, a whole congregation, according to the Bible, a whole congregation may sin. But also government officials. I know you find that hard to believe, that government officials. But it talks about that in verse number 22. When a ruler hath sinned and done somewhat through ignorance against any of the commandments of the Lord, his God concerning things which, which should not be done and is guilty, or, or if his sin wherein he hath sinned come to his knowledge, he shall bring his offering, a kid of the goats, a male without blemish. You know, I tell you, wouldn't it be amazing, an amazing thing if the, if the government officials of this country got saved by God's grace and all of them began to repent of the things that were in their life and change the way that they saw things and begin to operate the way the Bible says? Boy, we'd, we'd have a much better, we'd have a much, much better country, no doubt about that. But the whole thing is, is that they can sin and if they sin, just because they hold some high government office does not mean they're not held accountable for their sin. They're held accountable. But ordinary people sin too. Not just priests or whole congregations or government officials, but ordinary. Look at verse number 27. It says, And if any one of the common people sin through ignorance, while he doeth somewhat against any of the commandments of the Lord concerning things which ought not to be done and be guilty or if his sin which he hath sinned come to his knowledge then he shall bring his offering a kid of the goats female without blemish and his sin shall uh, 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 for his sin which he hath sinned no one is excused because of the position they hold no one is excused of sin because of the position they hold um, or the power that they may wield or how poor they might be. Well, you just don't understand. You just don't understand our position in society. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's the highest position or the lowest position you could go or anything in between. It does not matter. Sin is universal, and the need for atonement of sin is universal. And here's why we need atonement. We need atonement because sin has consequences in life. 
It has consequences. You can choose the sin, but you can't choose the consequences. Sin has consequences in life. Um, it makes us guilty before God. Oh, back up to verse number two there. Uh, speaking to the children of Israel, saying, if, if a soul shall sin through ignorance against any of the commandments of the Lord concerning things which ought not to be done, and shall do against any of them. So it doesn't matter. If, if we do something that ought not be done in the eyes of God, we're guilty of sinning. You shouldn't have done that. Well, come, because it's sin, and you shouldn't do it. If we do something that violates, that's, that's against God's law, we're guilty of sinning. And we, we got to get this, because it says it over and over in chapter 4. Ignorance of sin doesn't make it any less of a sin. Uh, what are you talking about? Just because we didn't know that does not mean it's any less of a sin. Okay, <clears throat> a few things here. To sin through ignorance could mean that a person really did not know that they were doing something wrong. It is a good possibility, truly. I think about some years back, I was coming back from a meeting, preaching a meeting somewhere, and I, and I topped a hill on this highway coming down toward where I would uh, get onto the interstate and as I topped the hill, I saw a police car sitting down toward the bottom of the hill. And I didn't think anything about it because, man, I thought, you know, I'm doing fine. Everything's good here. I've been trying to obey the law. I'm doing okay. And, and, and so I, I didn't really think anything about it until I passed him. And he quickly turned on his lights and fell in behind me. That strike fear in your heart. It, it increased your prayer life too, I'm telling you. Just right away. It's, a, it's an amazing thing. And upon getting stopped and giving him my license and registration. He asked me if I knew why he had pulled me over. And I said, I, I really don't understand it. And he said, well, you're exceeding the speed limit. The speed limit was 45 miles an hour. And I, I, I'm telling you, I had no idea the speed limit had dropped. I just didn't have any idea uh, whether I was talking or singing or I, I don't know. I didn't see the speed limit sign when it dropped. And so I'm, I'm still going. I had no idea. I didn't know that I was speeding, but that didn't stop him from giving me a ticket. Yeah, I mean, and that's what I told him. I said, I, I just didn't know. I didn't understand. Okay, well, Mr. Marshall, here, be sure and get this thing paid. So we'll have to throw you in jail anyway. All I'm saying is, even though I didn't know it, I was still speeding. Even though I did not, under, did not know it at that very point, I was still doing wrong. I was doing wrong. And so I had to pay for that, even though I didn't know it. But to sin through ignorance could also mean that a person ignored what God said because they failed to see, because they failed to see the significance of what God required. I don't know if I'm following you, preacher. Well, something like this. Somebody might say, well, you know, come on, preacher. I, I didn't think it was all that important. I, I didn't think it was a big deal. Oh, I know I've heard you say stuff about it before and preaching and all, but I, I really didn't think it's that big of a deal. Or they might say something like this. Well, I don't really feel like that applied to me. No, about sin. It's just because they decided to ignore that and go ahead and do what they because they just didn't really feel like uh, they really didn't feel like it applied to them. 
come on, kind of as a side note, we have to remember that everything in the Old Testament was not done away at the cross. I'm going to say it again. Everything in the Old Testament was not done away at the cross. Now, there were ceremonial laws that were done away with, with, with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The ceremonial law. Okay. You try to talk to people about, you try to talk to about people about things that are in the Old Testament. Well, I mean, that was all done away with a long time ago. Good grief. I mean, if, if that's so important, then, you know, why, why can't we, why, 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 do, why are we wearing clothes that are made with two different materials? Because the Bible says that we're not supposed to mix them like that. Well, that was a ceremonial law. And the ceremonial laws are done. Come on, just like having to go and kill a bullock or kill a pigeon or kill a goat or whatever. The ceremonial laws are gone. Hallelujah to God. I'm glad. I'm very thankful for all of that. But we have to understand that the moral laws will always be relevant. The moral laws will always be relevant. They're alive and well. Come on, no, no, no. Those, those still apply to us today. The moral laws that we find in the Old Testament. Still, still, still as much true today as they ever were. Somebody might say, well, preacher, is there anything that we can do to arm ourselves against the sins of ignorance? Well, the sins of ignorance can be avoided by taking time to know God. To take in, uh, by taking time to know His Word on issues, whatever the issues might be. And to know His way for our lives. C- c- come on, if we don't want to be ignorant of the things that God says, then we have to draw close to God, Right? If we don't want to be ignorant of what God says and we have to get in his word and we have to read it and we have to memorize it and we have to study it and know what he says so that we won't go, well, I just didn't know that. Well, you're still going to have to pay for that because the sin of ignorance, just because you didn't know it or whatever the case may be, and truly any child of God, any born again child of God ought to be in this book. They ought to know what God says. They ought to know what sin is. Oh, absolutely so. And so that we can do what God would have us to do. And here's the thing. The sin offering teaches us that sin can be worse. Listen to me now. That sin can be worse than we think it is. And it also teaches us that developing our relationship to God deserves more attention than we may give it in life. Now, I'm going to say that again. Developing a relationship with God deserves more attention than we may be given it in life. Because God wants us to know him first and foremost. But he wants us to know what he says too. Um, Sin. We need that atonement for sin because sin is potentially harmful to others. I don't know how many times I've heard this down through the years. Well, I'm not hurting anybody but me. You're wrong. No, sin affects other people. Your sin affects other people. Yeah. All sin is harmful. But some sins have more potential to harm more people. So God proposes different offerings based upon a person's position in society. We read it there. The higher the position, the more costly the sacrifice. I mean, those up there, there's the bullocks, and then there's the goats, and then on down there's even the pigeons or doves, whatever the case. But the greatest cost was assigned to those that were identified as spiritual people. 
Now that's the, no, get this, get this. Oh yeah, are you preachers? You're held accountable. Absolutely so. And I, I understand that makes me tremble at times. Definitely so. Absolutely so. But, but, but it's talking about the priest, listen, listen, and the congregation of Israel. God's people. So that doesn't just include the fellow standing up here hollering at you. It's all of us that know the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Judgment must begin in the house of God. Why does it do that? Because we are the ones that should know what the Bible says. And we are the ones that should be striving to live the way that God says. We're the one that should be pursuing a daily walk with God and living our life for Him and telling other people about His precious Son and doing what we can to help others to overcome sin in their life. Sure, absolutely so. But as it went down, each offered a more expensive sacrifice. There was a bullock. And although the fat was burned on the altar, get, 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 get this, the remainder was burned outside the camp. What does that mean? Well, it's outside the city limits, if you will. What's that all about? Well, it was reminding the people that instead of having a holy influence in their community, their sins contaminated their community. <clears throat> Born-again people that live in sin confuse lost people. And they shame God. And it was a reminder to these that instead of having the influence they should have been having in their community, that their sins contaminated their community to some extent. Isn't it amazing how lost people know better how we should be living than we do sometimes? Oh, no, they have their eye on us, don't they? Come on, don't fall into their rut. Well, don't judge me. Don't fall into that rut. We know there's such a thing as righteous judgment. And besides that, we're not really worried or shouldn't be too worried about what they say. I mean, to the extent of living a life for God, sure we should, but uh, we have a judge. And we will all stand before him, even as I preached on Sunday. We will all stand before him one of these days. And we will give an account of our Christian life and what we've done with it. We will. See, every life, every life influences the lives of others. Whether we like to think of it that way or not. Every life influences the life of others. Look, you've heard my testimony before. My dad was a drunk I mean, just horrible memories of him whooping on my mom, tearing up the house, and all these different things. All these stupid, stupid things. And, and I, 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 before I left home and before I got saved and God dealt with my heart, I hated my dad. I hated him. But because I grew up around him, um, as I went on with life, I pretty much became him. Well, how come, preacher? Because... Uh, Every life influences the lives of others. Oh, come on. So you tell your kids, do as I say and not as I do. That doesn't work. It's not, it never has worked. It never will work. It's, it's not going to work. And we want to be a positive influence on people, don't we? Come on, as Christians, we want to be a positive influence, not a negative influence. But your life influences people. No, no, when you make light of church attendance, your life influences people. When you make light of, of, of memorizing scripture or reading the Bible or prayer or whatever the case may be, your life influences people. We all have influence on somebody. Sure. 
And in this, the higher one's position, the greater that their potential was to influence others. And the greater one's influence, the more costly, the more costly it seemed his sin may be and the harm that it causes to others. Those in position to do the greatest good or the greatest harm are those who bear the name of God upon their lives. Come on, as we label ourselves as a Christian and then live, live less than a Christ-like life, we're hurting the cause of Christ. I want you to think about something. According to a study done way back in 2012 by the Barna Group, 84%, please get this, stay with me, 84% of non-Christians knew someone who professed to be a believer. But only 15% said their lifestyles, the lifestyles of the Christians were noticeably different in a positive way. That's pretty sad. Oh, that's, that's really sad. God's plan is not for his children to blend in and be indistinguishable from, this, indistinguishable from this world. His plan is for us to stand out. We're to be the light of the world. Oh, we don't light a candle and put it under a bushel. We want our light to shine. <clears throat> 1 Peter 2.9 says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You know, it would do well for churches and Christians to ask how responsible we may be for some of the corruption in our communities because we, in our ignorance, have failed to be a holy people for the Lord. We really are supposed to be Christ-like in every instance, in everything we do. Oh, I look back on my I look back on my past as a Christian. I have so many things to be sorry for. If I could live my Christian life over again, there are so many things I'd do different. There's so many more people I'd want to reach. I'd want my light to shine much brighter than it shined this past 38 years being saved. Well, how come? Because I'm pretty sure that more people would have probably come to know Christ. Come on. If I would have just been focused on me. On me. And my, my walk with God. Are y'all still with me here? If I'd have just been focused on me, well, I can't believe these other people. Stop right there. Just stop right there. Just zip it and stop right there. Why not look at you? Take a real good look at you. And if you don't think you need anything at all, you probably need a lot. Well, that went over real good, didn't it? No, 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 no. God wants to work on you. And we have to let God work on us. And for us to play, for us to play the Christian game is deadly. Well, it's not deadly for me because I know I'm saved and I know one of these days I'll go to heaven. Oh, okay. So you don't care about anybody else? 
You want to put a bad taste in, in the mouth of your co-workers? Of your friends? Of your acquaintances? Of your family members? You don't care about letting your light shine out there in a community that's so dark? No, it's really important that we are focused upon what God's trying to do in our life because the only one that we, the only one that we can change is us. We're responsible for us. And the better we're doing with God, the more help we're going to be to others who are trying to live for God or trying to find God even. I think that we've lost the... I think we've lost the... the uh, I just don't think we see the terribleness of sin in our own life anymore. We learn to play the church game and as long as everything looks okay on the outside, we think everything's fine. But we have to realize, and I know we say it a lot, but it is true. And I'm thankful that in the eyes of God, I'm a saint. But I'm a sinner saved by grace. And I know I'm going to sin along the way. I mean, it's just going to happen along the way. But if I'm taking care of that in the right way, come on. If I'm taking care of that in the right way, it doesn't have to put my light out. I can still be what God wants me to be. Sin is common, I mean, without a doubt, but it has its consequences. And we have to determine that we're going to do what we can to stay in the place that God would have us to stay. Here's a great part that I really wanted to get to, and don't have, just stay with me here. Through the blood atonement, we have God's forgiveness for our sins. Now, Brother Mike talked about that, touched on it briefly. But we have God's forgiveness for our sins. Now, first and foremost, I'm glad that I've been saved by the grace of God because even as was stated, all my past sin was forgiven and forgotten. All my present sin is forgiven. And all my future sin is forgiven. I mean, when I stand before God at the judgment seat of Christ, I will answer for my Christian life what I've done with the life that I've had, the, the Christian life that I've had, but I will not have to answer for my sin because that was taken care of by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But that does not give us, that, that, that should not give us this thought, well, you know, good, now I can just go ahead and live my life any way I want to and it's not a big deal. Oh, no, 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 it's a big deal. What we should do is say, Lord, I'm so thankful you forgive me for my sin. I want to do my best not to sin anymore. In verses 6 and 7, well, well, let's read this real quick. In verse 6 and 7, verse 6, it says, And the priest shall dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle, it of, the, uh, sprinkle of the blood seven times before the Lord, before the veil of the sanctuary. And the priest shall put some of the blood upon the horns of the altar of sweet incense before the Lord, which is in the tabernacle of the congregation, and shall pour all the blood of the bullock at the bottom of the altar of the burnt offering, which is at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. So God instructs the priest to apply uh, the blood of atonement in three different places. And each one of those illustrate what the blood of Christ does for us. Listen, listen for us now when we confess our sins and seek to be right with him. Okay. I'm thankful, 
I'm thankful through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that I am saved for eternity. My sins are forgiven. I'm so thankful for that, that nothing can get me out of my relationship with God. But sin disturbs our fellowship with God, doesn't it? Well, preacher, how do you know that? Oh, well, let me ask you a question. You know you're a born-again believer and you do something wrong. Um, do you, does it make you feel bad? Well, of course it does. Yeah, the Holy Spirit of God convicts me and gores. I feel bad. I feel guilty. I feel bad. It's absolutely so. Right. So you think you can just throw caution to the wind and keep on going without talking to God about all that and have a good fellowship with Him at the same time? Oh, okay, I'll go ahead and answer a question then. No. You can't. It has to be taken care of. It has to be confessed. It has to be forsaken. No, there still needs to be repentance. Uh, Okay. The blood of Christ, it gives us access to God. Because it says, first off, they take the blood and they sprinkle it before the Lord, before the veil. Now, the veil was a very thick curtain dividing the inner sanctuary into two rooms. Uh, One where the priest ministered every day and one where God dwelled with his people. And what the deal was, the sprinkling of the blood before the veil, it symbolized that sin uh, that had arisen between them and God had been taken out of the way and gave them access to God again. But it also purifies our fellowship with God. Come on, we're saved by the grace of God. The blood has been applied. But it also purifies our fellowship with God because it says that the blood was put upon the horns of the altar of sweet incense. Now, the, the, the altar of incense, it pictured the prayer life of God's people. And, 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 and that God was pleased with their prayers and enjoyed communing with them in that way. They once again had fellowship with God. And the application of blood to the horns of the altar symbolized that their sin would not prevent them from hearing, uh, would not prevent God, I'm sorry, from hearing and answering their prayers. I, I don't want anything to stand between me and God. I, I want to feel like when I need to pray that I can get down and pray. And not to have anything there to interfere. And not to have to take an hour and a half of confessing things in my life along the way. So I can clear the air between me and God. So I can get a hold of Him. I mean, come on. Sometimes, sometimes prayer is just vitally important in it. Where you just need to get a hold of God right away. Sure. Yeah. But I like this. Because it also preserves us from the wrath of God. That our sins really deserve because here's what it said at the end of verse 7 that all the blood was poured out at the bottom of the altar well what's that all about you know the brazen altar it continually had flames going and that pictured the righteousness uh the righteous wrath of god against sin the flames at all times and the presence of the blood at the bottom of the altar symbolized uh, symbolized that 
what shielded the sinner from judgment that his sins deserved, and that was the blood atonement. I'm not going to have to suffer for my sins because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to get what I really deserve because of the blood of Christ. So they would bring their sacrifices. They would sacrifice. The blood was taken and it was applied. Before the veil, giving them access to God on the horns of the altar giving them communication with God and then at the bottom of the brazen altar symbolizing uh, that we're not going to have to pay that judgment that our sins deserve I said, I don't know when I said it. I've I've said a lot along the way. It's good to have a good, healthy fear of God. He is all-powerful. Oh, no, no. He can make your heart stop if he wants to. I mean, that's, that's God. It's good to have a healthy fear of God. Not be scared of God. That's not what I'm talking about. But realizing that God is God. And the reason the world stays in place is because of him. And the reason that, that there's, there's, it's all because of him. So it's good to have that healthy fear of God. Well, how come, preacher? Because when I sin and I realize it, the first thing that I want to do is talk to God. No, no, the first thing that I want to do is like, I just want to stop just as soon as I can and say, oh, Lord, no, 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 I, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't mean to say that like that. I, I didn't mean to look that way. I didn't mean to, whatever the case may be. I, 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 didn't mean to, I didn't mean to have that type of attitude. I didn't mean to talk to them like that. Whatever the case may be. Come on. I mean, no, no. If it's sin, it's sin. If I handle it wrong, if it's wrong, it's wrong. And I want to immediately talk to God about it. How come? Because there's consequences to sin. So I, I want to clear the air between me and God. Because I don't want to pay for that. It's already been paid for. I'd rather just talk to him, repent of that. Come on, if you've ever been saved, for, saved by the grace of God, you repented of your sin and you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. And from that point forward in the life of a Christian, it's a life of repentance, isn't it? If we're going to stay right. But here's what happens if we don't have that and we don't really care and it's not a big deal and whatever. Here's what happens. We add sin to sin. We sin, don't take care of that. We sin some more, don't take care of that. We sin some more, we don't take care of that. We sin some more, and we sin some more, and we sin some more. It's not that big a deal. We sin some more, and we sin some more. And pretty soon, it's just like our Christian life is like null and void. That uh, conviction of the Holy Spirit isn't as strong as it used to be. That still small voice isn't as loud as it used to be. 
Um, the Bible isn't alive like it once was. Your prayer life just seems dead. There's a good possibility that there's some sin that needs to be confessed before God. Here's what I'm thankful for. One of the many things. I'm thankful that God is a loving, caring God. Full of grace and full of mercy. And all He desires, He created man for fellowship. And He wants us, of course, to be saved by the grace of God. And that we, He can have that fellowship with us. And so what he desires is that when we do something wrong, he's made a way that we can take care of all of that. He's made a way through the blood of Christ. Come on. I don't know how many, days, how many times a day you plead it, but several times a day for me, different situations. He's made a way that when we come and confess that sin, he forgives us of that sin and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So once again, we have access to, to him. Well, preacher, I just don't oh, know. I mean, I, is there, you know, is there some sin maybe I haven't confessed or something I've not taken care of? Don't ask me. But I tell you, you can ask him. Because that sin that has not been forgiven, that sin that you took so... Um, It's not that big a deal. He remembers it. Until you take it to him and ask forgiveness. And then it's erased again. <laughs> and I'm telling you, you go to God and you say, Lord, search my heart. Search my mind. Search me, Lord. And show me any unconfessed sin that's in my life. Be ready. Come on, because our God does care about us. And he does, want, he does want us to have that fellowship with him. He does want us to be close to him. He does. But we have to do it his way, because he's God and we're not. So we do things his way. He's a loving, caring, merciful God. He just, he just desires that we handle things the way that he said. And the picture back then, it was a, it was a picture of, of the forthcoming of what would happen when Jesus Christ would come. We have that access to God through the blood of Jesus Christ. The Israelites are not the only ones that needed forgiveness of their sins. We need forgiveness of sins too. To the glory of God, the New Testament teaches us that the forgiveness of the uh, the forgiveness that the uh, Old Testament sacrifices only pictured is ours today through the precious blood of Christ. It's available. I want to be close to Him. I, I, I don't I don't want to live a haphazard Christian life. But just because the blood of, of Christ is available, it doesn't mean that we take sin lightly. Here, here's what it means. Come on, I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm done. It, it means that we take our relationship... Listen to this, please. It means that we take our relationship 
to the Lord and our influence for Christ in this world seriously. Here's a big problem in our society today, besides the people not thinking anything about sin. Here's, here's a big problem. Well, I've got God in my life. Well, where is he? Always somewhere in there. You know, I've got a home and job and family, and some, ha- some hobbies I, I like, different things I do, and, and God's in my life. Well, where is he? Well, he's in there in the mix somewhere, you know. He's in there. You know, I come to church every once in a while. Everything's good. Everything's okay because God's in there somewhere. That's not the way God wants it. And that just creates a life of confusion. He's just in there somewhere, jumbled around with everything else. Okay, here's the way God wants it. God wants to be on the throne of your heart. And then all the other things surrounding that. And he'll put things in order. If we keep him where he needs to be. But it's us. Are you listening? It's up to us to do that. That we make God the most important thing, important person in our life. We should live to show our world the difference that Jesus makes in our lives. Because he does make a difference in our life if we let him. Let me ask you, are you in need of that which only are you need, are you in need of that which can only come from God? Forgiveness. That only comes from God. Forgiveness of sin. Through the blood of Jesus Christ. Through us confessing and forsaking. Are you in need of that? Well, preacher, I didn't think it was that big of a deal. No, no. We, come on, we covered all that. Sin is sin. We covered that. Don't think that the little sins won't mount up and hurt your fellowship with the Lord. They will. But the blood, come on brain, but the blood of Christ cleanseth us from all sin when we handle it God's way. Why not just come take care of that tonight? Preacher, it's Wednesday night. I'm telling you, Jesus may come back before you get home. Why not come take care of that tonight? Let's all stand. Father, bless the invitation time. We're asking you to take the message as it was presented and use it in the lives of believers to help us to understand about our relationship with you through the blood of your precious son, but also the fellowship that we need to have because, and that we can have because of the precious blood of your son. And Lord, I don't know how you've spoken to hearts tonight. Certainly that's between you and the listener. But I pray that people would respond.
I pray if they know there's unconfessed sin in their life, that they would come and repent of that. To ask your forgiveness. To make things right with you. Lord, I pray that no one would not take this seriously. Because I know you have a great desire for us to be close to you. And that only happens through the blood of your Son. Move tonight, Lord, help us. We pray that you will. We're trusting you for these things. And we ask it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Piano's going to play. Some have already made their way to the altar. You need to come tonight. Take a moment. Spend a little time with God. Why not let Him have His way? There's known sin in your life. No, you know it's there. That's unconfessed. Why don't you come tonight? Let God take care of that. He not only forgives when we confess it, He forgets. Fellowships restored. That closeness to Him. You have a desire for God to work in your heart, work in your life. Why don't you come tonight? Folks are praying. Still plenty of room, plenty of time.